Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? This is indeed the latest edition of the Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wright. It's been a minute since I did a podcast. So I would say about a month now? Yeah, a month too long. I know. It's been a while since I did a podcast episode, pardon me, as I get myself you know, back into podcast flow of things here on the Believe Network, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for making a podcast part of your routine as a lot has transpired over the course of a month since I last did an episode. And, you know, I figured that this episode would really be all about playing catch up, if you will. If you follow me on social media at Shukri Writes on Twitter, as well as at Shukri Writes on TikTok, you will have known that a lot has changed since I last did a podcast episode for the Believer Hub of Champions podcast. So I figured that this episode will primarily be recapping on what was quite a weekend for me personally. And really getting into the finer detail as to what happened, how did everything come to be, and as well as giving my thoughts on what the weekend was like in Boston sports. And, you know, now that Memorial Day weekend has come and gone, it makes all the more sense that we now begin to look ahead to June. But first, it's about reflecting. And recapping on what went on this past weekend as I'll be the first to tell you that for me personally, this weekend that just went by was one of the most memorable weekends that I've ever had living in Boston. And as many of you know, I've been living in Boston now for for a little more than six years now, almost six and a half. And I've been fortunate to have been a part of some pretty remarkable days and moments living in this city. But what happened over the weekend is something that I'm going to remember for a very long time, probably for the rest of my life. So enough with the tease. Here is the story of what happened over the weekend in full told by yours truly, in which that, buckle up, I'm about to take you for quite the ride. So, Memorial Day weekend comes around. It's Friday night. It's 8.30. I get out of work, and I am thinking to myself, what am I going to do this weekend? I know that I have plans to see someone, and... I did go to see someone. But what I will also say is this. What I will also say is that up until that point, there was still not really a definitive idea or plan as to where and how I was going to watch game six of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. 
All I knew was that after I was done seeing someone on Saturday afternoon was that I was going to go out somewhere. And I even went as far as to tell tell her um, that I was going to go out with some friends and watch game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, my bro Masters, he had just graduated from University of Massachusetts Boston campus. So the last several days for him had been very eventful. It had been full of celebration. He's also a new dad. His son Maverick having just been born this past December 15th. And, you know, life has been, you know, life has been like eventful, especially the last, I would say, uh, nearly six months, six months now. Yeah. So he just graduates. And he wanted to invite me to to the dinner that he had had a celebratory dinner. He did invite me, but I was not able to make it. So he said, you know what? His girlfriend, Michelle, she invited me to come out to celebrate Saturday. And I tell her, listen, I have a date, a second date. It was a second date with someone who I who I saw on Saturday. Same person who I'm talking about. And I will come and meet with you guys wherever you are going to be. Right? So I did exactly just that. I went to Maverick Landing, took her to Maverick Landing. She loved it. She loved the sunset. It was spectacular. It was a great afternoon altogether. In fact, before we went to Maverick Landing, I actually went to Pinocchio's in Harvard Square and grabbed ourselves some some pizza, some Sicilian slices specifically, and it was a bomb. It was great. It was just great vibes all the way around and so forth. Then we go to Maverick Landing. We have a blast, and I hit up Michelle, find out, hey, like, wh- where's everybody at? Are, are they still going to Big Night Live? Masters calls me. And says, yeah, um, meet me at the Garden. We're going to go to Big Night Live to watch the Celtics game six. I was like, all right, cool. I get there. And then after that, about maybe 20 minutes, calls me and says, hey, just go across the street to Hurricanes. I call the manager. And. We have a we have a like table like ready for us. I was like, all right. So I go across the street, and I'm standing in this long line extending outside of Hurricanes. And for those of you that are in Boston or have been to Boston, I have been to Hurricanes, especially during playoff time. You know how crowded it got. It was so crowded that they had the front of the restaurant open, like where like it was like the, the outdoor patio extended out. And there was a line going going nearly halfway down the block. That's not an exaggeration, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm standing in that line. I get to the front of the line. My phone rings. Who is it? It's Masters. Hey, yo, Shoe, I'm so sorry to have you running back and forth, but go back to, to Big Night Life. Well, we're going to go there. Um, I have an extra ticket for you. I was like, really? I'm like, all right. I'm not annoyed, but I'm like, all right. You know what, man? Love you, man, but I'm going to kill you. 
And I say that, I mean, affectionately, of course, obviously. So I go back across the street to Big Night Life. I, I'm waiting out in front of the hub of Causeway. And he arrives with our other friend, Joven, um, Alexander, his buddy. We go inside. And now this place is packed. No surprise. The place is packed. It's jumping. When I tell you that, man, there were beautiful women everywhere. There were beautiful women everywhere, man. Like, I mean, there was a lot of lot of beautiful eye candy, if you know what I mean. No, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. So I, for one, was just, you know, just doing my thing with the guys, with the fellas, you know, watching the game. And we're like nervous because at that point, the, the Celtics were down 3-2. They had won game four and game five after being down 0-3 to force a game six. So at this point, we're, we're watching the game. We're excited. The game is going well. The Celtics had a 10-point lead. And then what did they do? They did exactly what they have always done, or I should say have done most of the time this postseason, and that is blow a 10-point lead. So now... As I take a sip of this beautiful root beer here, I turn around and I find myself getting annoyed, getting antsy. Jimmy Butler is driving, or at least attempting to drive towards the hoop, where he draws contact right behind the three-point line. So what does that mean? He gets three free throw shots. He makes all three. So now it's 103 to 102. And I am absolutely nervous. The room gets tense. It gets so tense that you could feel as if you are walking through a summer night anywhere. And you are feeling like the the, the, the thick air as if there's about to be a thunderstorm. Like you all know what I'm talking about. In the summer, it's warm outside. The air suddenly gets real thick. That's the atmosphere at Big Night Life with about three seconds remaining. It's thicker than a, than a summer afternoon or evening, and there's an approaching thunderstorm. And you could feel the tension. You could feel the nervous energy. And it's like everybody was just holding their breaths. It, they, it was just quite palpable where... It was like, okay, um, what's going to happen next? Then I had this idea that popped in my head. I said, you know, I don't know if this is going to be the last moment of this of the season for the Celtics, but let me just record it just in case and then turn it into a, a video where I can just post it on, on Twitter or TikTok and or both. So I hit record. It's now three seconds remaining, and Derek White, his responsibility is to inbound the basketball. He inbounds pass it to who? Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart hits, or at least attempts, a three-point shot. It goes, it goes off the rim, no good. And all at the same time, this is all happening so quickly, Derek White is like sprinting towards the glass 
and he and the basketball hits off the rim after the three-point attempt by Marcus Smart fails, he jumps up for the rebound and tips it back into the hoop, and it's good. We all lose our minds. I'm screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm like, wait a minute, does this count? Because when the ball uh, like, it got released out of the hands of Derek White, my first thought was, uh-oh, did this count? So the NBA on TNT goes to immediate replay, and they replayed the, the, the Derek White tip-in, and lo and behold, what do you have it? It counts with 0.1 seconds remaining. The referees confirm it, and the place erupts. I lose my mind. Everyone in that room lost their mind, and, and I screamed the following words, we're going to game seven, and I'm just so excited that I am trying to process everything that just happened and how it just happened so fast, and you can feel the the release of nervous, anxious energy from the crowd, and, and, and like it was just this relief, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Serious time, we're going to game seven. It was literally a miracle, literally a miracle. And all I can think of is I got to I gotta post this now, not knowing what was about to happen. Now, this happened rather quickly. I posted on Twitter first, and then I posted on, on TikTok shortly after. So now I put my phone in my pocket. From like maybe about a few minutes. What I noticed shortly after was that my phone was buzzing. It was like buzzing with notifications. I was like, all right, this is rather the norm. Like, I'm not tripping. But what caught my eye was when I got a notification that Tony Maserati of 98.5 The Sports Hub had retweeted my, my video. And I'm like, uh, what's going on? I open up my phone and I go and look at this is maybe 10 minutes and 15 minutes after I had uh, posted the video on Twitter. I see that a good couple of hundred people had already liked it. There was maybe over a hundred plus more that had retweeted it. And at this point, it it was starting to really pick up steam. It was just absolutely indescribable what was happening. So much so, I'm outside in the midst of the celebration post-game six, and then all of a sudden, I get a notification on my phone from someone from NBC News. We like to get permission to post your video that you posted on Twitter with with credit to you as well. And I tell them, hell yeah, have at it. And then... Saturday night rolls on and my phone can't stop blowing up and just people are reacting to my video like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? This is like this is truly unbelievable. Like so many people and I'm talking about like notable sports personalities, celebrities. Yes. And I say celebrities because 
David Portnoy, El Presidente, the president of Barstool Sports, tweeted my video, tweeted my video, and and said, and said, quote, these are my people. And when I tell you, when he tweeted out my video, I was like, oh, my God. And this is someone that's got over 2.3 million followers on Twitter. Rex Chapman, another one. He's got over a million followers on Twitter as well. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that those two men ended up either quote tweeting or tweeting out my video, which only added more fuel to the steam that that is a locomotive train that is running express to absolutely somewhere. I don't know where, but it was absolutely unreal. So now I'm getting contacted from people that are in the industry that are you know like hey like this is what's happening like yo this is absolutely insane like that video is unbelievable oh my god like it was just so it was such an out-of-body experience that even as i talk about it now it was just absolutely unbelievable in that moment in time and now Huh. I'm laughing at myself because we all know, and I and I was alluding to this, that the Celtics have to win game seven. Right? They have to win game seven. Otherwise, the Derek White tipping shot means absolutely nothing. So game seven comes and goes. This is now me shifting to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last night. Or should I say, on Monday night. So Monday night comes, and it's game seven. It is absolutely electric. People are waiting to get inside the TD Garden with anticipation and hope that the Celtics would be the first team in NBA history to come back from 0-3 down. They they were the fourth team to force a game seven um, after trailing in the, in the series three games to none. And there was legitimate questions as to who was going to be there, who like who from the Boston sports scene was going to be there. Paul Pierce showed up. Um, people were hoping that KG would show up, but I don't think KG was there. But Isaiah Thomas, former Celtic, number four, IT4, he was there. He was in the house. He received a thunderous ovation, a love that we still have for him as Celtics fans. It's absolutely amazing. It truly is. And... It was quite the crowd, and the game gets going, and and it just seemed like Miami was just determined. Like, we're not going to let you take game seven. We let you take the, the games four, five, and six, but we are not going to let you accomplish history, something that had never been done in the history of the NBA. And frankly, last night's game was so bad, it was pretty much a dud. Like, anything that could possibly go wrong for the Boston Celtics pretty much did go wrong. Jason Tatum gets injured on literally the first possession of the game. He has a nasty uh, twist of his ankle, and he was just not right for the rest of the game. It was evident. And as a result, the opportunity opened itself up. For one and only Johnny Brown to come in and step up. And he had himself a horrendous game. 
Shooting the basketball-wise, he was terrible. He couldn't handle the basketball at all. He had eight turnovers at one point in which that there was a graphic that was shown during the TNT broadcast in which that Jalen Brown had eight turnovers, which is more than the entire Miami Heat team combined. I mean, my goodness. Seeing that, it was like, dude, you are literally crapping the bed. Literally crapping the bed. What the hell is this? So I'm angry at this point because the Celtics refuse to attack the rim. They want to try to play hero basketball and try to a- attempt all these three-pointers. And then, oh, by the way, when they, when they're not falling in or going your way, you start saying, you know what, we're just going to keep shooting instead of changing your, your strategy. Charles Barkley really said it best in the postgame. These dumbass Celtics, that's exactly what they were in Game 7. Dumbasses. Because Miami, they weren't just killing you with the three-pointer. You can thank Caleb Martin for that. But they were killing you in the paint. They were saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to impose our will on you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And that's exactly what the Heat did in Game 7. There was a reason why that that. Jimmy Jimmy Butler was named the on the Eastern Conference Finals most valuable player. There's a reason why when Jimmy Butler goes, this Miami Heat team goes. We saw it during um like we pretty we pretty much like saw it throughout the entire postseason run for the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler taking over games and, and like basically Enforcing and as well as like, hey, this is my will. It will go and it will happen. And we're not going to take our foot off the throat even after we already achieved the kill. That was the Miami Heat. The Celtics, on the other hand, they were absolutely atrocious. Turnover City, refusing to, refusing to, uh, you know, um, Refusing to make the adjustments, refusing to, to 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 crash the boards. They did they, they so many things that they did in games four, five, and six. They just said, you know what, to hell with it. We're we're not gonna do it in this game. Why I don't know, and I did not like it at all. It was just disastrous, point blank. And then to top it all off, I I tweeted I tweeted this out after the game. In which I said, listen, if you are going to turn around and look at the Celtics team and start pointing the fingers, make sure you point it in the right direction. You can blame Jalen Brown for for his poor offensive performance in game seven because that's what it was. It was poor. It was horrendous. Say what you will. But the Celtics... They are not going to win a championship with those two unless, and I say unless, they make defense an absolute priority. It has to be a priority. And that's just the start of some of the changes that the Boston Celtics are going to have to make this offseason. Like, they've got to really change the DNA of this team. Go back to their defensive identity which made them the best defensive team in the NBA and not worry about being among the best offensive teams in the league because last year 
they were ninth in the NBA in terms of overall offense, whether it was points per game or whatever. This year, they were like number two in the NBA. Is it truly worth it? Is it truth worth, worth sacrificing your defense for the sake of just trying to be a great scoring team but can't stop a lick, especially when you need it the most? I don't think it's worth it. I don't think the trade-off is something that's going to pay off, especially if you're trying to win banner number 18. I don't see how it works at all. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shuki Wrights. It's been a blast to be back doing this pod. I will talk to you again later. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.